You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. So, here you are. Too foreign for home. Too foreign for here. Never enough for both. Ijuoma umebinyo. Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong? And how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced by Jan. Welcome, you're listening to Diaspora Blues, a 3CR radio program presented on the Kulin Nation. My name is Ayan Sherwa. So this week we have a special, special interview for you by Sirius Meekat. So Sirius Meekat spoke to a mental health nurse about all things related to our mental well-being. So that episode, episode... That segment is up real soon, but first, let's hear some community announcements. Across Australia and around the world, we've seen reactionary right-wing mobilisations around anti-vaccine, anti-lockdown and anti-public health demands. In response to this, the Campaign Against Racism and Fascism have launched the campaign Pro-Vax, Pro-Union, Anti-Fascist to combat the far right and to fight for public health, safety and social solidarity. Go to www.calf.melbourne to join the fight for the safety of workers in the community and against the far right. A 3CR supporter. Hello, hello, dear listeners. Sirius Meerkat here again. This week, in honor of Mental Health Month and World Mental Health Day, which is October 10, our special guest is Emily. Emily is a senior mental health clinician at a prevention and recovery care center, also known as Parks, in Melbourne's West Vic. I spoke to Emily last week to hear from a practitioner's point of view some of the realities of the mental health service following the 2019 Royal Commission Inquiry into Victoria's Mental Health. Today's episode discusses issues of mental illness, depression, anxiety, and suicide, which some listeners may find distressing. If you or someone you know is in need of help, please reach out, talk to someone who you feel safe with, talk to your GP, or call the crisis helplines in the description below. Thank you so much, Emily, for joining us on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So it actually turns out that October is Mental Health Month, um, which is an initiative by the Mental Health Foundation Australia to advocate for and raise awareness for Australian mental health. And October 10 is World Mental Health Day. It seems to be very much needed. We've seen some research coming out talking about an overwhelmed mental health care system in yeah. Victoria. What has been your experience with this? Oh, thank you for having me. 
we would all agree that the mental health service is currently overwhelmed, especially in the past 18 months with the coming of COVID-19. There's, uh, there's uh, obviously been a surge of uh, presentations as in, of uh, mental health uh, clients uh, in the ED, uh, even in the acute wards as well as the step down and uh, step up facility. Where I work, I, I work in a park, which is the step down, step up facility. We, we've seen clients who uh, usually function quite well in the community. They've been presenting more in ED, in emergency departments, where usually they'll be um, transferred to acute mental health wards. And after that, of their acute admission, they'll step down to parks uh, for uh, recovery and uh, for transition back home. So we've seen more presentations uh, of those clients who usually functions using other coping strategies in the community. And uh, for those uh, uh, who were presenting more frequently, they've gone even worse because of um, all the restrictions and uh, mostly isolation. Um, most of the clients cannot go out to do their day-to-day -day activities, which usually would um, more like, I can say, keep, keep them together uh, with all the supports in the community they can't access all. So they just get into crisis and uh, they find themselves presenting in ED or calling ambulances. As a result, the, the mental health services are really overwhelmed. It brings pressure on the staff. Mm. And uh, the big thing is pressure of beds. Staff-wise, we've found that the, the government has been quite helpful. They've um, tried to increase um, uh, staff and um, even introduce some shifts which, which were not there. You know how we have the morning and afternoon shift, but they introduce like mid-shift and all extra stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's, it's mostly the beds. It's, it's quite a challenge. If they are like full in ED, they want to try and transfer to acute ward and you find the acute ward, there's no one ready for discharge. Wow. There are no vacant beds. And it's, a, it's actually a chain. So you'll find uh, areas like ours, they step down. We are also more like forced by the situation to admit uh, people who are not ready for transitioning home, but we just want to relieve uh, the pressure from the acute wards and the acute wards want to relieve pressure from the emergency department. Wow. So the chain goes. And so what is an acute mental ward exactly? When someone's still uh, in, in the crisis situation, with them, with the yeah, people living with mental illness, at times they get into crisis or what we can say a relapse. Mm. Um, so they're in crisis, so they will be needing acute mental health uh, services. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a situation where they can't be managed at home. Mm -hmm. As much as we know, like we're encouraging community management of most mental health, uh, mental health clients. However, when they are really acutely unwell, they will need um, acute mental health services, which were in the past called the mental health wards. Yeah. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And yeah, it's really interesting that you mentioned the cascading effect, almost like this idea of a chain reaction. 
I was reading a report from the University of Sydney, and it was actually talking about the fact that the mental health care crisis actually started yeah. over 10 years ago. Things haven't been good for a long time. Yeah. And this is kind of a situation where we see, you know, before it was one in 10 Australians were struggling with mental health or mental illness. Yeah. And now yeah. in 2021, that number has gone up to one in five, which they actually think is underreporting because most people are only starting to seek help at that crisis level, like you're saying. That's right. So the crisis services are overwhelmed and that means everyone else down the line is overwhelmed. And what do you think are some of the barriers to accessing mental health care service in the community? Um, Firstly, I could say lack of knowledge about available services. Uh, We find uh, people struggle on their own there. They don't realize there are services out there. Uh, For example, it's not common knowledge that uh, the GP can provide a mental health care plan, more like a document that can also allow you to access services like psychologists, 12 sessions for free. So people, I I realized um, holding this uh, post I am working at the moment, I've realized um, most people didn't know that they can ask for that from their GP so that they can access psychology sessions. So they just wait until they, they are in crisis. Yeah, they just end up uh, being admitted. So yeah, uh, that's where I would say lack of knowledge about the available services. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing would be uh, stigma. I hope you're enjoying this interview. You're listening to Diaspora Blues, a 3CR radio program. Stigma, I think it's a big issue. People avoid accessing mental health support due to fear of being labelled. And uh, it's usually talked about in the community. They say, oh, once you start this mental health journey, you, you, uh, it will remain on your record. So it's all about the stigma. And again, uh, it forces people to struggle on their own and just seek help when they're in crisis, when they're like when they can't, they can't even control their, their, like their condition. Considering the uh, other nationalities, the other ethnic background, and mm. it, it's also lack of knowledge uh, about the need to get help. Not the knowledge I was talking about to say what service, but the need to get help. Mm-hmm. They would brave it and uh, just because their culture maybe prescribes them to be strong. Mm. And um, yeah, that would be like a barrier because they, they, they don't know they are unwell. They just think it's uh, day-to-day problems. I have to remain strong. And mm. also the family around will be telling them to like keep strong. You've got to do it. And, uh, and they leave it until uh, it's already too late. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, that must be really difficult trying to navigate the the personal barriers as well as the systemic and, and structural yeah. barriers. And yeah. do you think stigma is starting to decrease? Do you think people are more open to talking about mental health these days or mental illness? It's a yes and a no. <laughs> yeah. I would say to the no. I think uh, if I would like to be specific to the um, uh, um, African um, diasporans, mm. we find that uh, 
a stigma is still a, a, a big thing. I'll go back to what I said before. Uh, families uh, keep their struggles to themselves mm. and uh, individuals keep their struggles to individuals. Uh, by the time they share, it would be late. Usually um, families have been uh, found to not even share, but uh, the, the, um, the services out there, like the police, will just find out that there is crisis there, but they never want to talk about it. And if I can raise something uh, maybe a bit sensitive, uh, like religion, Mm. Some yeah, some some uh, some of the diasporans. I've it's just an observation that is individual observation. Um, the, the religion would uh, say uh, maybe, we, for example, like we would try and deal with this problem mm. when it's a, maybe a genuine uh, organic mental health uh, situation which needs like a clinical intervention. So maybe they would leave it too late, uh, doing the um, uh, employing the uh, maybe the traditional or the religious um, up healing approaches. Yeah, mm, yeah. Wow, that's really interesting because yeah, there's there's many different communities um, and they have different beliefs, and then you know the diaspora community here dealing with all these other challenges, trying to yeah. break down yeah. that stigma. It takes, it takes yeah. some time, it sounds like. And you said there was a partial yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> uh, there's been quite a, a remarkable number of mental health. Um, actually, it's another observation that there's a, a remarkable number of uh, mental health practitioners mm. among the for example, African diasporans. Mm. So hence, um, they seem to be having an influence in, in their communities yeah, in developing the awareness. And also, there have been uh, a few platforms, uh, especially in the past 24 months, I've seen a, a few Zoom platforms uh, where um, they host uh, hosted hosted by mental health practitioners uh, mm. from um, yeah from uh, African diaspora community, addressing and uh, also developing this awareness in mental health issues and also even in uh, in um, alcohol and other drug use. Uh, and I've noticed they uh, most of them are focusing at they're more targeting the youth. Mm which I think it's quite effective. I, I've even realized in some um, even re religious groups, uh, they have their conferences, like a weekend conference, three-day conference. They slot in a mental health, um, mental health um, speaker. Mm. And uh, just for example, I, um, I was asked also to speak at uh, 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 this function. It was... Um, a, a baby shower. Mm. So I talked about uh, postnatal depression, which wow. I found like it's, it's it's really good that uh, yeah people are slowly yeah getting the awareness and uh, oh, wow. talk about that's... mental health issues. Oh, that's beautiful. That's really encouraging to know that there's some initiative coming from within the community as well to 
talk about these issues amongst ourselves. That's really inspiring. And do you think the service itself, like in terms of, say, for example, the, the mental health care system has also been doing similar things or having similar initiatives to cater to clients from cultural and linguistically diverse backgrounds? Mm, yes. I've uh, realized in my workplace and uh, even when I worked in the hospital, there's been uh, lots of funding in the um, interpreter services, interpretation mm. services. Yes, and it's being encouraged. There's no limits. They just encouraged to use interpreter services, whether um, by telephone, especially now with um, coming of COVID, Mm. telephone services and uh, uh, and um, there's been lots of training of staff just to bring cultural awareness and uh, cultural competence and all that mm. so yeah it, it's 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 a journey uh, we, it, it, we can't expect it to just work like that but uh, it, there've been a few initiatives I hope you're enjoying this interview you're listening to diaspora blues a 3CR radio program. That's really good to hear because, yeah, the I think the Royal Commission on Mental Health in Victoria yes. was talking yep. about um, that being a specific barrier for um, migrant communities or marginalised communities, especially going back to what you were talking about in terms of access to information, um, say yep. for people who might not speak English that well, where all the yep. information is in English and they might not understand it. So kind of bridging that. And then also addressing racism in medical settings is also yeah. helpful for, um, for that. And what do you think is the impact of, of this diversity in the mental health service delivery? Do you think it has an impact on client outcomes? Oh, yes. It's a, it's a positive, actually it's a positive impact. Uh, when uh, the staff are develop their awareness it, it means they're all going to cater for the like the actual individual needs mm. um, I, I can give an example uh, in the community team for the organization I work for this uh, community team like where we have the case managers for clients who are who live at home they're still case managed so they've introduced a, a, a a role uh, called like a uh, cultural, multicultural worker or multicultural clinician. So she does oversee the needs of uh, people from uh, other uh, backgrounds. Mm. So she would oversee all the individual needs. She would, uh, yeah, it, it would get resources, make sure all the uh, stuff you were talking about is in reading materials and uh, all the individual needs. So, yeah, so it's impacting positively. Mm. And, yeah, and there's also having uh, people from other staff members from um, the diverse communities. They are, I've observed mm. most of, some of them now hold really high positions in, the, in, in most of the services. So mm. this diversity impacts positively on uh, meeting the needs of uh, we have clients from ethnic backgrounds or um, yeah and um, it's it's it impacts positively for a client to be maybe even having someone around who they relate to mm. they tend to open up 
Mm-hmm. So it's a positive just to have uh, the diverse diversity in um, mental health services. Nah, that's really good. Um, and I think at least if people can feel safe, I think they sounds like they'll be more likely to seek help if they know they'll be supported as well. That's right. That's right. And you talked a little bit about it at the start, but what else is currently being done to support healthcare workers as demand in um, service increases? Oh, thank you. To add uh, on to, um, I talked about uh, increasing staff members. There's also increase in other services, um, uh, not just the nursing staff, but we're getting more social workers, especially like uh, the um, service I work for. We usually just had um, more like support workers mm. doing the psychosocial interventions and we were doing the clinical, but now we've got a psychologist there. We've got uh, social workers there. We've got an o- occupational therapist there. So it's they, they've um they, there's more funding to just to have all the services at the same place and just complement uh, each other and um, produce uh, better services. There's been also I'm sure it's uh, the Royal Commission also is encouraging all this the use of uh, peer workers. We now have peer workers. That's uh, the lived experience stuff. So it's um quite an effective thing to have a lived experience staff member among the staff, the, the, the nursing staff. And the, the, we, the organization I work for, we've, they've employed a, quite a number of uh, uh, peer workers, the lived experience staff. Oh, and nice. also, yeah, it's um, more varied type of uh, staff. And uh, also, yeah, I need to mention uh, the... Introduction of the NDIS, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, the National Disability uh, Insurance Scheme, mm-hmm. I think it's also complementing uh, the mental health services and uh, just to improve uh, the quality of service. And I think, uh, yeah, the services are complementing each other with uh, no issues. So we, we feel like it's, it's actually relieving the community teams as well. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's wonderful. That's really good to hear. And thank you so much for your good work. And it obviously is not easy work, but it is very important work. So we thank you. And I can imagine that you've gained a lot of wisdom being in this space and having dealt with so many different types of cases with people from different backgrounds. Yeah. As someone who works in the space, is there anything that you would like to say to our community during this difficult time? I think knowing Melbourne, we've been locked down for the most, <laughs> the longest time in the world. <laughs> That's not a very nice title to have. Um, and different people believe different things about that. But is there anything you would like to, to say to the community during this time? Um, I'll uh... As a clinician, I'm just saying, look, guys, don't struggle alone. There's support out there. Let's try as much as we can to avoid the loneliness where possible. Mm. There's nothing wrong about, uh, there's nothing wrong with seeking help. 
put your hand up if you are struggling don't hide it talk about it talk to someone it's okay to struggle it's okay to ask for help just reach out there's a lot of help out there thank you <laughs> that's a wonderful message thank you so much for joining us for this wonderful conversation thank you thank I've you i've learned so much <laughs> thank you very much thank you for having me Thank you so much to Flick and Emily. Emily is a senior mental health nurse at a prevention and recover- recovery center in Melbourne's West Victoria. She has a master's in mental health and has been practicing in this space since 2015 and has worked in the United Kingdom, Brisbane, Adelaide and Melbourne. Huge thanks to also Uh, serious me cap for doing this interview it was a really really informative interview and an issue that we in the african diaspora community need to talk about more so i'm glad y'all did that is it from us as usual you can hit us up on our instagram page at 3cr.diasporablues you can listen back to this episode and you know all of the episodes that we've done so far on our 3cr page which is 3cr .org.au slash Diaspora Blues. We're going to leave you with one of my favorite tracks from, I think, 2018, 2017. Anyways, it's Solange with Cranes in the Sky.
listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.